850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. And here's our segment, A Moment on the Lighter Side. And today I welcome back our dear friend and budding author, St. Peter. You know, the last two weeks, Peter's been trying to write the great American novel. So, St. Peter, any new story ideas you should or would like to share with us? To to be honest, uh, none at the moment. Oh, you mean you don't have a rip-roaring adventure story of your life up and down the Kaskaskia River? You know, come and think of it, up and down the Kaskaskia River, hmm, I have the perfect beginning for you. You don't know about me without you. Have you read the book by the name of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer? Uh, you know, actually, uh, that opening line has already been used by Mark Twain and Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my point. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a lot like you, you know, no original thoughts. But, <laughs> you know, but you were quite a sailor before you retired, so that may be a good option. Maybe you should write a novel about your adventures on the sea. And again, I have the perfect opening line. He was an old man who fished alone in the skiffs in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. Uh, and again, that's Ernest Hemingway's Old Man and the Sea. I, I, I get your point, Gary. I admit that the things we talked about the last few weeks, my, my most of my previous novel attempts, well, have been somewhat less than original. Yeah, less than original. <laughs> I think the word most people would use is plagiarism. Oh, well, all right. I admit it, Gary. I'm not that creative. I, I'm just thankful that I had the Holy Spirit to inspire me when I wrote what I did in the Holy Bible. But your criticism is well taken. I, I agree that the life of the novelist is not for me. Peter, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings there and with my previous comments. I just think you should stick to what you do best. And what's that, Gary? Well, being KFUO's own personal Bible counselor and advisor, you never failed me when I needed an answer to a Bible question. Well, well, thank you for that, Gary. Uh, uh, so, all right, yes, I, I stand ready for whatever scriptural question you would like to pose to me at this time. Well, what I'd like to do is go back to something we've talked about in the last week. You know, it was kind of a trivial question, and I've been wondering whether people will be able to walk on water in heaven. Well, if I remember correctly, that's a question you answered for yourself. You pointed out that I was able to walk on water in this lifetime, so maybe all of us would be able to do the same in the eternal lifetime. I got to thinking, however, that's probably an irrelevant question. I, I would agree it's kind of a stupid question. Although, as I always say, Gary, there's no stupid questions, only stupid people. Uh, but I'm not sure what you mean when you say it's a, a, an irrelevant question. Well, I was reading the book of Revelations last night, and it said in chapter 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. So if there is no more sea, I guess we won't be walking on water, will we? I I think you misunderstand what John is talking about there. I I don't think he means that literally. I believe he's speaking figuratively about there being no sea. What do you mean? Well, earlier in the book of Revelation, there is a sea uh, that separates men from the holy throne of God. I think John is simply saying there, whatever has separated us from God will be completely eliminated when we enter the new heaven and the new earth. Hence, there will be no sea. 
So there will be a sea in heaven? Well, I can't say for sure, but I would think there would be seas, lakes, rivers, and whatnot. Why, well, for me, some of my happiest moments were spent by the water, as is true for many of our listeners, I imagine. Uh, what we do know for sure is whatever we need for our happiness will be there in abundance, along with the mansions of our Father's house. I'm sure there are many fishermen and boaters that hope you're right, you know. Uh, but now... On to the question I really wanted to ask you this afternoon. The last few weeks, we have been discussing Jesus' appearance to you and the other disciples that first Easter evening. There are several accounts, but, but yes, we have been focusing on the account given by Luke. Yeah, and in Luke's account, that raises my question. Luke says, when you all first saw Jesus, you disbelieved for joy. Now, my question is, uh, how could you both be disbelieving or unbelieving and joyful at the same time? Those seem to be contradictory words. Oh, oh well, no, no. You're trying to read too much into that phrase. Um, it's just a Greek way of speaking, a colloquialism, if you will. Well, you have a similar turn of phrase in your own language. Like what? Well, when something extremely happy happens to you, haven't you ever said, I can't believe it's true? Uh, it's not so much a statement that you don't believe. How could you not believe? Whatever is happening is right there before your eyes. But it's a statement that, that emphasizes how excited and surprised you were. So Luke isn't saying that you and the disciples didn't believe that Jesus was risen, but just that you were extremely surprised and excited that he was resurrected. Well, you know, at that point, faith was not an issue. There Jesus stood before us with his hands and feet. We could touch him and, and see that he was flesh and bones. But Luke points out we could even sit down at table and eat with him. Uh, so there's no need for faith when Jesus is right in front of your eyes. But his resurrection was a happy surprise. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, you might be interested to know that this phrase there, uh, disbelief for joy, is found a couple of other places in the Bible. Oh, really? Like where? Well, it's used in the Old Testament story about Jacob. Uh, you know, Jacob thought for years his favorite son Joseph was dead. Uh, the victim of a vicious animal attack. All he had to remember him by was, was this bloodied, multicolored coat he had given Joseph. But, you know, Jacob disbelieved for joy when he found out not only was his son alive, but he was the second in command to the great pharaoh of Egypt. Oh, I would see where Jacob would be so happy he almost couldn't believe it. What about the New Testament? Are there any other examples there? Oh, well, yes. You know, there is the story of the little girl, Rhoda. You mean the gal that used to co-star with the Mary Tyler Moore, whose character was later a spinoff to her very own show? Remember, it was called Rhoda. <coughs> you know, it is a good thing you have me. It came on right before Casper Ghost. Yeah. On no, repeats. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not not the TV Rhoda. Okay. Uh, but the, the Rhoda of the Book of Acts. Got it. Uh, why don't you read the story? It's worth a listening. I had been imprisoned in the dungeon of Herod, and everyone thought I was d a dead man. But the Lord sent his angels to free me. Once out of prison, I went to a house where the other disciples were gathered. And so my story continues in Acts chapter 12, verse 13. Okay, Acts 12, 13. And when he, Peter, knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. 
Recognizing Peter's voice, disbelieving for joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him, and they were amazed. You see, she disbelieved for joy and left me standing out in the cold. I think it's particularly noteworthy also that, that the rest of the disciples were still thinking in terms of ghosts or spirits or, or angels, as is the term used here. They thought I'd come back from the dead. Even after seeing the resurrected Jesus, it was still hard for us to imagine that eternal life could be a thing of flesh and bones. Uh, here again, the disciples make the mistake of thinking the life hereafter must be a, a ghostly, angelic existence. <laughs> Although the Bible insists it will be a thing of the body, like unto Jesus' glorious body. So true, Gary. And, and so there is obviously a great comfort for, for us in all of these stories. How can these stories be a comfort to us? You know, that's one of my questions. These stories seem so different from what we experience. We don't see people come back from the dead, ghostly or otherwise. Ah, but we will, Gary, we will. Uh, there will be a day when we will see our dearly departed in the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, there will be no sea to separate us from God or them. And they won't be phantom figures of past remembrances. They will be flesh and bones. I will be able to embrace them, eat with them, and live eternally with them. At that time, we will disbelieve for joy. But it won't matter, because we won't need faith then. We'll see them with our own eyes. The experience of Rhoda, Jacob, and of all the twelve will be ours as well. If we could only have that joy and experience right now. Oh, but we can, Gary. Oh, we may not have the joy of disbelief yet, but we have the joy of faith. And don't count the joy of faith as something less. Remember what Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Faith may be something you can't see, but it's no less true, and it's no less real than what our eyes behold. As we've heard it said, faith is the amen, amen, that is yes, yes, it shall be so. Thank you so much again for all of your insight. I really do appreciate it. And seriously, though, I'm sorry that your career as a novelist didn't work out. But who knows what the future endeavors you may find. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, Gary. Uh, although I have given up on writing the great American novel, I have been thinking about trying other areas of creative endeavor. Ooh, that sounds like it's something that could be interesting. Like, what are you thinking? Well, what, 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 I thought about maybe taking up songwriting. Hmm. You know, songs don't have to be as detailed and long as a novel. Uh, you know, all you need is a simple chorus and a couple of verses, and you're set. I think even someone with, with the limited creativity that I have should, should be able to do that. <clears throat> in fact, I, I think I've already got one possibility in mind. You do? Wow. I'm almost afraid, though, <laughs> to ask you. What is it? Well, you know, one thing I learned from my novel writing experience is that you should stick with what you know. So I'm writing a ballad about that day I almost sank in the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm still almost afraid to ask, but uh, how does it go? Wait, wait, here it is. Help, I, I need somebody, help, not just anybody, help, I need someone. Ooh. Hey, Peter, Peter, maybe, maybe you should just stick to uh, answering questions about the Bible. 
Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right, Gary. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Great having you on the program again today. We are the Messenger of Good News. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash KFUO radio.